Welcome to the Genuine Contact Way podcast, where we're celebrating 20 years of the Genuine Contact Way of working. My name is Anna Carolina, and I'm together here with Doris, and we're hosting this Genuine Contact Way podcast in 2020, because we're actually celebrating that Genuine Contact turns 20, and people all over the world have been learning to work this way, and they have big impact in the organizations that they're working with, and these organizations change and become successful, and they do that while there is constant change. And today we have a special guest, and Doris, you're going to introduce our guest, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation, which I hope and believe will be fun. Enjoy. Thanks, Anna Carolina, and hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be sitting here with our guest, whose name is Michael Vinson. And Michael comes from Conway, Arkansas, in the United States. And he's a self-employed uh, consultant who works primarily with faith-based communities, and he uses the Genuine Contact Way. But he's also a Presbyterian minister, and he's also worked very, very deeply within the Presbyterian community, both in local churches, in something that's called the Presbytery, which is sort of like the regional area of, um, with churches in the Arkansas area. He's worked sometimes on the national level. And what's really fascinating is that throughout this really, really varied career, he's been using the Genuine Contact Way as a way to connect with these communities. And there's so much uh, to talk about that I actually just want to jump right in. And I just wanted to say, Michael, I'm, first of all, it's great to have you here. And I'm so fascinated because you're working within the institutional religious communities that my assumption is that they're not necessarily the most, um, let's say, progressive groups that are coming out in the world. And you said to us that you felt immediately that the Genuine Contact Way was an important way to work with people. So I would just love to hear a little bit more about how you got to that idea and how this came about that you work um, with Genuine Contact in these, or in these communities. Well, thank you, Doris and Anna Caroline for this invitation. And I uh, am happy to see both of you here on the, through the internet and, and enjoying our conversation. So the question is, how does genuine contact work within the religious community? Is that your question? Well, that's one, but also like, how did you, how, why did you decide that this was a good thing to do? <laughs> well, so after, uh, after uh, ministry is my second career. So uh, I went through a big life transition. I went to seminary, which is a three-year journey and you have, and in the Presbyterian tradition, there are many, many hoops to jump through, including being able to read Greek and Hebrew. So lots of hoops to jump through. I got my first call and I knew that it was important for me to figure out a way to keep myself centered and grounded. And so I began to look for a part of our uh, one of the great things about being a Presbyterian minister is that you're required to do some continuing education and you're given some money to do that. So I began to look around for things to do and I had had an opportunity in, a, in my other career in public health to be exposed to open space technology. 
So Ward and Burgett were just beginning to teach these uh, genuine contact modules and open space technology was coming up. And so I, I signed up and I went to the training and um, it was very uh, transformative for me, uh, dare I say a religious experience. Um, <clears throat> I just felt like after the open space technology training that there was so much potential there for churches, for religious institutions. And I mean, one of the guiding principles is spirit is all that matters. Uh, Wardenberg teach that. And so I'm just like, wow, this is a great way to really make space for, to encourage, to work with uh, what we call all in religious uh, and spiritual circles as the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, so that sounds really, really interesting. I'm, I'm just really curious now, like, the, what was that like? What has that been like bringing these two worlds together? Well, it's been very challenging. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it, it's not without its difficulties. And I'm pretty... Um, I'm pretty much out there whenever I, especially when I facilitate an open space technology meeting, uh, when I open the circle, uh, you know, I, I always remind people that as people who live and move and have their being, those are Paul's words, not mine, uh, within the world that we are imbued, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when we gather in a circle to do an open space technology meeting, I remind them that, uh, as as we have been taught, who use this method, that the wisdom of the wisdom is already present within the group to solve its problems, and that wisdom comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, and each of us, as people of faith, are imbued with this Holy Spirit, and my task in an open space technology meeting is to acknowledge that and to make sure that there is room for that spirit to move and breathe and have its existence among us and to hold the space for it and to do as much as I can to make sure that those in the circle don't scare it away. That's so, so funny because, you know, in this context of church, it's okay to speak about spirit and the genuine contact approach is not um, based in any religion, but we do talk about uh, spirit also there and say, as you mentioned, spirit is all that is and that, you know, there is, uh, yeah, as you said, the wisdom and spirit that is within everything. And now you say you have to take care that people are not scared away, even though you are working in a context where you talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. And yet when you remind people that actually, you know, coming together, there is this aspect present, they get scared. So, um, Which is true of all religious history. I mean, the day of Pentecost was very frightening to people. <laughs> When the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit first arrived on the earth, as recorded in the tradition, uh, Christian tradition, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and imbued all these people with the power to speak in all kinds of languages that they didn't know. It was quite frightening. <laughs> I was also, I just have to giggle because you said something, um, because in our conversations um, that we had before and also now we were talking about how within like 
within you, you're working very much in this religious community and many things are sort of taken for granted and they're, they're fantastic. But you also said like Paul. And I was like, you mean Paul the apostle, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yes. and, I, and I love that, that um, one of the things I love about Genuine Contact is the opportunity to work in all of these diverse communities that have both connected and different um, uh, like problems, but at the, at the center of it, finding connection and finding the way that we work with spirit, mm -hmm. that's all there is, is one of the deeper founding principles. So I, I just love that. But I just wanted to say that because I was like, oh, I'm, it's really, and now I learn about what Pentecost is because <laughs> I never knew those things. So, <laughs> so and, and I was just sort of curious, um, you're saying that it's really hard for people or like for many of us, and especially in these communities as well, this can be really challenging. Um, and I'm sort of curious, when these communities come and work with you, how, how is that? How does it work? Um, how do you help them get there that they're not sort of, that they're able to work together with you and take this jump into this different way? Well, hmm. so when they come to work with me, of course, you know, being uh, uh, a good consultant and being mentored by other good consultants, we come up with a plan for what we're going to do together. So um, I try to, before I make any commitment to work with an organization, especially a, a religious organization, I like to do uh, a little discerning. And because in the church, you know, that's a big deal is, well, what is God calling us to do in this particular situation? Can we discern what the next step is going to be? Can, can we discern what God is saying to us individually and collectively? So, um, so my first steps into working with a group is I always say, and of course, you know, one of their first questions is money. How much is this going to cost? So I always say, well, that question is a little early because I haven't decided if I'm going to work with you yet. <laughs> and what we have to do, what we have to do is to discern whether or not uh, God is calling us to work together. Uh, and in the Presbyterian, the Reformed tradition, there's a, one of the big things about what God is calling us to do in our lives individually and collectively is can it be um, affirmed within the faith community? If God is calling me to do something, unless the faith community affirms it, then God is really not calling me to do that. I mean, even though I went through seminary and had a seminary degree, until I received a call to a local congregation, there was no affirmation that that's what God was really calling me to do. So when we, I begin working with folks, I say, let's do a little discernment. And so I take it really um, slow. Usually the pastor is the one who contacts me and I have to be very careful about what the agenda of the pastor is. Uh, sometimes the pastor is in a de desperate situation and is trying to fix it or let somebody else take the blame for it. So I have to discern what that's all about. And uh, then I have to discern the readiness uh, or the willingness of the leadership to do the work. And I do these things um, very, um, 
very simply and very briefly and very sort of carefully. So to get my foot in the door, that, and that is a public health word, <laughs> get your foot in the door. <laughs> and, and I'm just really curious, what, what kinds of problems do they come to you with? Um, and I, I also just want to say something like when you were talking about the pastor and the work, I was thinking this is also so much what I were, I don't work in faith-based communities, but the same kind of flow is there. You have to, you know, find out and what's, what's the agenda? What are we doing? Do it slowly. And I thought it could be so nice if I could say, and we have to figure out what the Holy Spirit wants because that part I can't say. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> but at least it gives like a little bit of extra oomph. But I'm curious, like I said, um, going back, what exactly, what kinds of problems are, or challenges or issues are they coming to you with? Well, um, so in turn, you know, the connection about the flow between other organizations in the church is true because the church is an institution and it's an organization and it's very, very institutionalized. So there are very similar things. Um, as far as what they come to me, what their problems are, um, and I will ask them, you know, what do you think your challenges are? And for the institutional church, you know, the first problem is we're, we're losing members. Uh, our congregation is aging. Our finances are diminishing. We have a building that requires a lot of work and repairs that we don't have money for. Uh, those are the things and the challenges that they they come to me with. And of course, those of us who work within the Genuine Contact program, we know that those are not really the challenges. Those are the tip of the iceberg. Those are really symptoms of a bigger problem. So. So, you know, what we do in the Genuine Contact program is to offer groups, organizations, religious faith communities, the opportunity, should they choose to take it, to look deeper at what is causing these symptoms. So that's, that's really what I'm working on, is, is providing them with an opportunity to, to, to look down at below the top tip of the iceberg and see what's really going on. And it's usually multifactored, so as it is in most organizations. In our preparation, you also talked about that um, somehow, even though it's faith-based organizations, uh, spirit or spiritual practice is also missing. Um, and even if people go to service on a Sunday, that doesn't mean that they're really um, nourished, nourished spiritually. Uh, maybe this is a big jump from speaking about institutions and now speaking about the individual level and our spiritual nourishment, but uh, somehow I would like to talk about that a little bit. Can you um, say something about that? Sure. So those of us who are trained in genuine contact know that uh, we are taught that we, there should be a daily preparation. We should all have a daily preparation that we do to keep our spirits, our bodies, our minds healthy so that when we step into our work in genuine contact, whether it's, uh, you know, negotiating a contract or leading an open space technology meeting, that we are able to do that with the fullness of who we are. 
uh, and we can we have uh, the individual health and balance workshop which helps us to examine how we nurture our mind body and spirit how we stay healthy so that we when we step in to do our work that we're fully in our full authentic selves to do that work so within the and for me and the work within the church that i do one of the things that i wanted to do when i first began to work in uh, local faith communities was i knew that i needed to up my daily spiritual practice um, and because I have spent all of my life in the Christian religious tradition, I knew that there were very many ancient practices that, that I could connect to. And so one of the things that I wanted to do, which is a very old uh, Christian, well, it's in all many uh, religious traditions, is to find uh, what is called a heart friend or a spiritual director. And so a spiritual director is someone that helps you develop your spiritual discipline, uh, drawing from a, from a many years of tradition and histories and techniques to sort of tailor make you uh, a spiritual, a daily spiritual practice. And this a spiritual director is someone that you check in with from time to time and talk about your challenges and what all's going on and your hopes and all those kinds of things. So I did that. I found me a, a spiritual director and uh, began to develop a daily spiritual practice because I knew that if I was going to lead a faith community, I needed to have a good daily spiritual practice because for me, weekly worship, going to church on Sunday, leading worship on Sunday was not going to be spiritually nurturing for my spirit. That was my calling. So I needed to prepare for that all week long so that I would have everything that I needed uh, within myself and all our resources to do this weekly worship and to, and to, and to lead the congregation in other ways. So as I have done that, and I've done that for t over 20 years, I've had a daily spiritual practice and, um, and it affects everything I do. It affects everything I do every day. And as a result, I'm not, um, I call it, I'm not Sunday dependent for my spiritual growth. In other words, one hour a week on Sunday morning or two hours, if you go to Sunday school, uh, two hours a week on Sunday morning is not enough food for my spirit. I do not have enough spiritual resources to deal with life in general uh, with only those two hours a week. So I, I'm, I am, I learned pretty soon that I could not be Sunday dependent for, for my sole intake of spiritual food. I so love that. And that's not only because you're a minister, that's actually, I, I guess uh, Doris and I, we share that experience and, mm. you know, mm. we, maybe we look for something or we have something, but definitely to acknowledge that we are, as human beings have this spiritual part that wants nourishment so that we can be in balance and take leadership for our own life and also leadership decisions in our jobs uh, is really relevant to nourish that part. It yeah. is. Yeah, there was also, when I was listening to you, I was also thinking about how in a way 
it's, it's so important when you're working with others who are in some kind of turmoil. I mean, when you speak about if people are going like people are leaving our church or everybody is, you know, aging out and what's our future, these are existential problems. I feel like I'm often also working with people on different kinds of existential problems and this acknowledgement that's so clear in the GC program, the Genuine Contact program, but also in, in the way that you're speaking of, okay, if I'm going to do that, I have to take care of myself. I have to find a way to do that because otherwise I'm not of service to others. I think that's, it's interesting that, of course, coming from the background that you have and the education that you have, I don't know that everybody does that in that education, but it's sort of sitting in there, like it's part mm -hmm. of the tradition. Whereas mm -hmm. I don't know from many people who are working as consultants, we might not have that tradition as a natural, might not have that sort of underlying background of, all oh, right, that's, of course, this is what you can do. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things I find interesting about our genuine contact community in different ways to support one another. I thought about your spiritual teacher as almost like a, a mentor also. exactly, You know, a mentor and a guide and how much mentoring plays a part in the way that we have to work because otherwise you're basically not able to go in and do all of these things. So that was really, I find that really interesting and it gives a whole different perspective when you mm -hmm. speak about how that's underlying these um, deep practices that were also about creating community and helping people find good ways to live together. Absolutely. And you know, if everybody had a spiritual director and companies and institutions had their spiritual director, I mean, that sounds very outside the box, but uh, it's a nice, uh, or not only a nice, it's a, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I would probably also call it a mentor or something, but, um, and it's present in my uh, practice also, but I don't think it's a very common concept that you ask somebody that you meet and like, who is your spiritual director or mentor <laughs> uh, that, that takes, that you can call on if you're getting out of balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I imagine that's also a little bit outside the box uh, in the, in the world of the church where you're in, or is that, did you learn that there or? Well, in seminary, we were given a little bit of training in um, the history of the church and spirituality and the saints and um, movements of the spirit and methods and ways to take care of our spirit. But, but that part, and this is just my opinion, but that part is not really institutionalized in the church. As a matter of fact, it would be my opinion that the church or religious institutions are sort of the keeper of those um, skills, those teachings, and we've sort of forgotten that as an institution. And we've, my opinion would be that we've sort of, we have become more interested in maintaining the, the institution than we have about strengthening, strengthening ourselves individually to be good, healthy spiritually, so that as a community, we can be spiritually healthy. Mm -hmm. um, I don't hear, you know, like I s said, I've worked at the presbytery level. I've been involved in the national church. Um, and, you know, there are always prayers, there's worship, 
there's scripture reading, uh, all of those kinds of things as, when we gather as groups and community. But how we take care of ourselves spiritually as individuals, I don't hear much talk about that in local congregations. I mean, we're the church is right now in the season of Lent, which is a very spiritual um, time. Lots of spiritual disciplines happen then. And there's some things that we do, but I don't hear, it may happen. I just don't hear people talk about, you know, if, if I were to ask someone their spiritual discipline, I'm not sure they could articulate anything much more than I, I read this little pamphlet and read a prayer. I could be wrong, but I don't hear much. I certainly, I don't hear any conversation about it. How do we take care of our spirits on a daily basis so that when we gather as community and we seek to be the body of Christ in the world, which is what we believe in my tradition in the church is how do, how are we healthy enough to do that? How are we, how can we be spiritually healthy enough to, as a community to be the body, the hands of, of Jesus in the world? So that's just my little sermon there. <laughs> I think it's really, really interesting. And I, I was thinking about our conversation beforehand and we were talking about faith, like that one of the things that struck us is for you, I want to sort of go back to, you know, your organizational work. You sort of said to us, you know, I really have to have a lot of faith when I walk in there because I'm really taking people outside of their um, they're like really outside of their comfort zones. I think mm -hmm. that happens to many of us in genuine contact, but you sort of said, yeah, it's really, I really need to, to have that. And, and you had written or you had said to us that also this principle of whoever comes are the right people was mm -hmm. one that was important to you. And I would love to hear how, how that works and how you mean by you really need to have faith or how you're working with all of that, because I thought that was, I think that's so fascinating especially in these communities and in this, yeah, in the way that you're talking about it now. So um, when I was growing up, my grandparents would, I, I remember hearing conversations around religion and what the ch church was going to do or what somebody was going to do, or if, or if they felt like they were going to have to have a big challenge about something in their life, they would say, well, are you all prayed up? <laughs> are you have you done everything you know you know have you have you prayed it up and are you ready to go and uh so when i walk into uh, a room or if i meet with somebody to discuss the possibility of working for them i want to make sure i'm all prayed up you know i want to make sure that jesus and i are on the same page uh so uh so that's what i mean when i say it takes a lot of faith to actually um you know, to walk into that room and, you know, because I know at some point in time, I'm going to walk into a room and I'm going to have them sit in a circle. They're going to be objects in the center of the circle. I'm going to ask them to have conversations with each other about things they probably haven't thought of before. And there's going to be some resistance. And not only that, I know that usually when I work with a group, there's uh, conflict known and unknown and that's going to come up. Uh, and I know that what we're talking about is at the, you know, religious faith and practice is at the very essence of who they are. And that's very personal and very, uh, you know, you have to take very good care of that. So there are a lot of factors to consider when you walk into a room to do these things or to meet with somebody. So uh, you got to be all prayed up. <laughs> 
So that's what I do in my spiritual practice. And it's, we, we teach this in the genuine contact way. You know, you got to, you've got to take care of yourself daily so that when you meet with that client or you meet with that organization leadership, you're ready to go as best as you can be. And then you rely on the spirit for the rest. (laughs) Yeah. The spirit and all these really simple frameworks. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. They're divine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, and I love that. I love this. I think I'm going to take that into my own, even though I'm, I'm not religious in, in that way. And I'm, and I'm not Christian. I'm definitely going to think, am I all prayed up now for this? Cause I just love that. I, that's such also, I want to say that's like, that's such hands-on practical wisdom that is so important and says so much. So I, I love that. I'm going to bring that into my, uh, into my life. Like, am I prayed up for this? <laughs> because that will help me to remember to take care of myself. Right. Yeah. Because wh- whether you consider yourself religious or not religious, it's my belief that Uh, we are all imbued with a divine spark. And really our task in life uh, is for me to connect my divine spark to your divine spark and to Anna Carolina's a divine spark and whoever's, I mean, the whole, the whole purpose of our life is for each of us to connect our divine spark. And, you know, uh, the, in Mm -hmm. our tradition, Doris, love God, self and neighbor, in the Jewish yes. tradition, in the Christian tradition, I'm sure the uh, other traditions have other such teachings, but our, our number one goal is to love God, self, and neighbor. And to me, that is for me to connect my divine spark to your divine spark, which is also the divine spark of God, however you understand God. And when we can connect those divine sparks, then the kingdom of God is at hand. So, um, so it's important for us to know how to take care of that divine spark and not let it go out. Um, so I want to make sure that there's a little flicker of the divine spark in me when I walk into this group so that I can connect it to some other flickers in the room. I, I really love that metaphor. I'm just sitting here smiling. Thank you. Thank you for that. It's really, You're welcome. Maybe it's even more than a metaphor. I love that image, that vision, that, to remember that, to keep that into my mind and heart. So that was right. lovely. Right. I know we're coming to the end soon, so I'm a little bit the timekeeper here. But, you know, Michael, you have been involved with the Genuine Contact approach since its beginning. And you took, I think, your train the trainer or your first workshop after 9 11. Mm. And you said it was a, a, I don't know, what did you say, like a, a very special experience that you had. Before we close, do you want to share? a brief experience of, um, or like a highlight, uh, like an all-time favorite story to share from learning Genuine Contact or meeting Birgit and Ward, the co-creators of the program? Yeah, there are a couple of things. It was right after 9-11, and there were only two of us at this training. Everybody else canceled out. They were afraid to travel. I don't know how many people had signed up, but, and I know that Birgit sort of had to think for herself you know, do I want to go ahead with it or do I, do I want to postpone it? And she decided to go ahead. So there's just me and one other person. And I, whenever I have any doubts about whoever are the right people to come or the right people to come, I always think about that. Mm-hmm. There were two people and she had prepared for who knows how many, but we were the right people. So in that uh, open space technology 
training uh, anybody who's ever been to Ward and Burgett's house know that there's always time to be in nature and time to be outside. And so we were given the task to go off into nature and come up with a definition for open space technology, which is, you know, one of the things we do in that module. And Burgett walked us down the lane um, behind her house and we went past the beaver pond and just past the beaver pond. Uh, she was she was telling us about the hill over there to the right. You know, she said this hill is full of crystals. There's lots of energy up in here. So I'm going to leave you now and y'all go off and work on your definition. And so and I can't even remember the person's name that was with, in the workshop with me. So we so Burgett stood in the lane there and watched us as we uh, went up the hill and she said the last thing she remembered seeing is that we got to the top of the hill and that I just slipped and fell and disappeared onto the other side. <laughs> and so she kind of waited to see if she needed to go for assistance, but she determined that I was okay. And so we, we worked on our definition and we came back and uh, when we got back and we were sharing our definition, Burgett said, that is the best definition I have ever heard of, of open space technology. And I don't remember what it was. She said, that is the best, best definition I've ever heard. And she said, and I've heard a lot of definitions. And I said, well, we were down there underneath all those crystals. We didn't have any choice. So <laughs> that's one of my favorite media, uh, favorite memories from uh, that, that first time. And the fact that she would, you know, she held steady and went ahead with the workshop. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's one of the things we have to practice in genuine contact is holding steady. And again, I think being all prayed up is very important, the holding steady, <laughs> you know. Yeah, this sounds already a little bit like a closing um, time and closing comments. So um, I invite us to, yeah, what are we taking from our conversation? Any last words we want to share and uh, do we start with Michael or Doris, and then I will be uh, the person who closes everything. Whoever likes to go first. How, wh what are you taking away? Anything you still like to say? Maybe I can start. Um, so, well, first of all, what I'm, I'm, what I'm really moved by in this conversation is speaking about what I want to call the more subtle levels of what helps all of us be able to do the work that we do. And I, I love your words about, you know, finding this divine spark in everybody and, and allowing for things to happen so that we have a better world so that people connect in a beautiful way. And I've loved, I mean, I've loved listening to, and I'm taking away so much about this subtle part, the part that maybe people don't see, the part that's really important, the part that might connect us to, I remember when you talked about this Pentecost, you know, this Holy Spirit, and it makes people a little freaked out, and that part that could maybe do that, but how important it is to respect that, to honor that, to find ways to work with that, because that brings, um, that, that helps us be in, let's say, maybe the more pragmatic world in a way that's more, that's nurturing, and that supports ourselves, but also supports our clients, and supports what we're what we're doing so i really yeah i really take that away and um and just yeah say thank you i really really that's what's in my mind so uh, that's what i'll stop with i think um you know i, I want to make sure that everyone knows that i have a great love for this institution 
called the church. I, it's kind of a love-hate relationship, actually. It's, it's very frustrating sometimes, as all relationships are. But um, I really, uh, despite um, many of the difficulties uh, inherent in the church or any institution, um, I really feel like, you know, whether it's the church or some corporation, they all have these problems that we talk about within the genuine contact framework of grief and organizational life cycles and conflict and how to be more life nurturing and all of those kinds of things. And I just really, uh, I really enjoy sharing all those things with uh, local faith communities and, 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 and individuals. So uh, it's really, um, it's really a beautiful thing. It's very hard work, but uh, it's very good work. So uh, thank you for the opportunity to share my little slice of the world and my perspective on how that works for me. So thank you. Yeah, I have enjoyed that conversation. And I think working in this field that you're in is really working with society and um, they're really for a very long part time of society and uh, play a role. And at some point you also mentioned that, yeah, there has been um, reforms 500 years ago in the church and maybe this is a new era for a new reform and hopefully, you know, all the positive aspects of this institution can be even more uh, relevant in the future again and more nurturing for society uh, again because they seem to be a little bit hidden or lost or yeah um, dusted in the spiritual practice and I love I take from our conversation uh, this question who is your spiritual director and also um, this aspect that you say is it's important to Uh, have a daily spiritual practice because uh, I often hear people when somebody gets sick, sick, oh yeah, I'm going to take you in my prayers, but I know they don't have any spiritual practice of meditation or prayer or anything. It's just something they say, but they don't have a daily practice. And I also really believe it's important to be prayed up, not just in a intellectual sense, like, okay, I want to be prayed up, but actually do something. It's something we have to do. So um, thank you for really, yeah, making a strong stand for that. Yeah. And so unfortunately, or fortunately, or whatever, right now we're at the end of this conversation. If you're curious about more conversations we have with members of our community who work the Genuine Contact way from around the world, please come and visit the Genuine Contact website genuinecontact.net forward slash podcast you find all the podcasts um, you can also subscribe to the newsletter of genuine of the genuine contact program and then you receive all the new podcasts that we release and uh, have a wonderful day thank you for this beautiful conversation and hear you next time <music>